Hello, everybody! Welcome back to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan, and not just any fantasy today. Because today, oh. we are dusting off an old series of ours. It's been a while since we've done this, and I am very excited for its return. We are, of course, talking about Friends Pitching Fantasy. This series has returned. Yeah, it's hard to believe we went this long without doing this. This used to be a Friends Talking Fantasy staple. Uh-huh. I think it was one of the, the series that we started doing that... Helped us get a little bit of traction, get people listening way back. And yeah, we're happy to bring this back to you because Friends Pitching Fantasy, I think it's the most fun way for us to decide what our next couple reads are going to be. But I think we're going to have to explain the, I don't know if they're rules per se, (laughs) but at least the process that... Yeah, there, it used to be this very distinct process with like several rounds, but we're we're loosey goosey these days on <laughs> FTF, so it's gonna be for the better, I'd yeah. say. Uh, should I just explain, Charles? Yeah, I will say this before you get into the specific details. You know, it's a new year. It's we just got mm. it's January twenty twenty three. We just set the scene, Charles. We just kicked <laughs> off our two hundred episode special last week so it is feels like a new chapter in the world of friends talking fantasy and so we decided to to usher in the new year with you know new books and we were like well should, how are we going to pick what we read next of course we're continuing to read through the stormlight archives and that will be the next book you'll you'll see us talk about as our continuation of that series but after that we got a you know read something else what should we do and it's like well instead of like us picking right now let's bring back friends pitching fantasy so that's why we're here you know dylan's got three books i've got three books and uh, we're going to narrow it down to two and uh those are the books we're going to read next in the series so before we kind of start talking about these books and before we even decide we've got a long way to go before we figure out what these books actually will be we have a bit of a process to go through don't we dylan we do indeed, Charles, and essentially how it's going to work is in this episode, Charles is going to present three books, each accompanied by their own individual pitch. We're expecting it to be around 10 minutes each, and it'll be a period of time where Charles will just have the floor, and he'll talk about whichever book he's presenting, and then after he's done, he's made his pitch, his sell of why this should be our next book that we read. Uh, then we'll have a brief sort of Q&A discussion style about it. And I will mostly be asking those questions and Charles will be answering. And mm-hmm. he'll just do that three times. And eventually we're going to decide or I get to decide which of those three books that Charles pitched is going to be among our next two reads. Mm-hmm. And it's, 
yeah, it's a fun way for us to decide. I probably will not make that decision until like uh, later this week, give mm-hmm. you all a chance on social media to contribute and help us decide, help me decide. And of course, coming up in probably a couple of days, Charles, yeah. I will be yeah, I will be the pitcher and Charles will be the pitch E. Oh, he will you know. be hearing me pitch three books and he'll get to make a selection among those. So, yeah, that's pretty much how Friends Pitching Fantasy works. Exactly right, Dylan. Three books are going to be pitched and only one will be chosen. Dylan will pick from my choices. Mm-hmm. I'll pick from Dylan's. Today's episode is all about my picks. I'm going to walk everyone through the three books that I've kind of selected and kind of my process for why I've selected these. I'm excited about it. These are all books I've been very excited to read. So any one of these will be a winner. Um, If all goes according to schedule, we'll do my books today, which would be a Monday, your books on Wednesday, and then we'll make the decision on Friday. That's kind of the goal, which is a week of stuff, which is more than we have usually done these days. So all very, very exciting. And let's not um, delay any longer. Shall I just go into my into my picks? Yeah, Charles, what's book one of your pitches? Well, I think I'm going to start by naming all three books and then going into book one from there. And, you know, I when I was making these picks, I was trying to figure out, like, okay, like, what books do I really want to read next? There's so many series, classic series that I love and so many authors that we have to cover that I want to make sure that we get into on the show. But ultimately, I found myself picking things that are relatively new, uh, things like from new authors. None of these books I have read. Uh, one of these books I kind of read the first 10%, and I'll get into that, but these are all New reads for both of us, I believe. Uh, But their names have come up quite a bit, and they're all relatively new. The oldest one coming out within the past couple years. So um, a lot of new series here to discuss, and I'm super excited about it. It's very, to me, cutting-edge fantasy, which leads me into Mm -hmm. my first book, which is The Spear Cuts Through Water. By Simon Jimenez. What a professional. Thank you. Thank you. So The Spear Cuts Through Water came to my attention. It was actually gifted to me over the holidays. Um, A relative of mine knows I'm a big fantasy reader. I guess uh, did their homework and came up with this pick that like when I looked at it, I was like, this looks familiar, but I know nothing about it. And certainly enough, once it like entered my mind I start to see it popping up on social media everywhere and I think I've just been seeing it over the past couple months this book came out in August of 2022 so relatively recently not even a year old Um, this is the author's second work uh, in fantasy Mm. and first of all like the cover I happen to have the book with me the cover is very striking it's a gorgeous cover Um, lots of good praise for this book but it walks this fine line of like I see it everywhere on social media or I see it frequently pop up on social media people like raving about it but it doesn't have a lot of reviews and it doesn't have a lot of like popular media attention so my thought here Dylan is that this book is at this really interesting like line where it's popular but I don't think people have realized how popular it is. You know, I think this book presents a really unique opportunity to talk about 
a very modern cutting edge series um, and be part of its kind of rise to success. And there's a lot of reasons why I think it's going to be successful. Um, but first, I think I should just kind of read a little bit of the the blurb here. It's um, in this new epic fantasy series from the author of The Vanished Birds, two warriors shepherd an ancient god across a broken land to end the tyrannical reign of a royal family. So a lot of big keywords right there the, to make a really yeah. traditional epic tale. But what striked me from the beginning with this one is what everyone kind of praises about this book is the unique way in which the narration is written. It almost takes this like spoken word kind of um, oral storytelling. It takes a lot from like theater in terms of its presentation. There's a lot of like action words in here like, oh, you you sit down and you... Uh, light a cigarette and like she exhaled like a lot of these kind of action like narration and then also what's interesting about it is the first chapter like the very first page is in second person which we've read mm. second person narration before in the widely celebrated fifth season by nk jemison and we loved that for multiple reasons, and I really enjoyed our conversation around the use of different narration techniques in the fifth season and how it kind of not only helped with the characterization, but also the thematical development of her story. And I'm seeing a lot of the same kind of techniques being used in this. So I'm getting a lot of fifth season vibes just from what I've heard in the public, uh, but you know, I obviously have not read it, so I can't say for sure. But reviews online, there's very few. Of all the books that I've presented today, it has the fewest number of reviews by a long shot with like just under a thousand reviews. Um, so that's kind of small, especially for like a new release, a popular release in the fantasy genre. But it's got an interesting mix. The pe people who love it go on about how the 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 atmosphere that this book creates and like the way in which the story is told is both kind of challenging but also inspiring and exciting and and that's what a lot of people love about this book and i think for you and me Dylan, as people that have read a lot of fantasy i think there's a lot of new ideas in terms of like the writing process being beautifully executed in this or at least being praised for its execution in this that i think we would really be interested in and i'm just super curious to see what this book is about it's kind of been sneaking around almost like this cult following status and it's hitting a lot of the same keywords and buzzwords and th themes that something like the fifth season has done which obviously you know swept the hugo's huge release and uh, it's it's just it's piqued my interest and it seems to focus a lot on this adventure storytelling i think more so than the fifth season and that also is kind of like a spin that i'm interested in and yeah it, it it just is one of those things that people say is immersive is inspiring is different is unique is interesting and that's what i think we should be bringing to the table with friends talking fantasy it's like i think we have the opportunity to read a book that's both 
different, interesting, challenging, and popular. And I think there's a lot of opportunity to have conversations around this book that I think is underserved today. So I'm saying let's, you know, take a risk on it. And it was gifted to me and I want to read it, so I'm going to read it anyway. So let's uh, <laughs> let's read it on the show. And uh, that's kind of my fast pitch for The Spear Cuts Through Water by Simon Jimenez. Hmm. Well, you've certainly piqued my interest, Charles. Strong pitch. Way to come out of the gates there. I'm I'm really curious. It's got a beautiful cover mm-hmm. for sure. And just the aesthetic of it, you could see how it would be immersive like you're talking about. Do you get a sense from any of the reviews or anything you've looked at of what kind of setting we're dealing with here? Is it more of that like pseudo medieval Europe sort of setting that might fit with some of those classic epic fantasy uh, elements that Mm -hmm. you're seeing or is it another culture that's inspired this? It's okay if you don't know. I'm just, I honestly don't know. It's written as like an adventure story um, and an intimate exploration of identity, legacy and belonging. Mm. Um, It definitely, and it's always described as a saga, which I also find interesting, but there seems to be a lot of like, nature invoked in this like i'm looking through it and it's it's got a lot of like very intricate art of animals and fish and mountains and plains and um i i think it is taking place it's got like royal families and emperors and and Hmm. things like that and the cover is you know guys holding spears and these like tribal like um clothing here so it leads me to believe it's something um can't even know what it, what it would be like and it doesn't really say and i think that's a big part of this it's such like a personal story from what i'm gathering but it does seem to invoke a lot of nature and tribal like elements in its setting and that's the best i can do having having not read it and you know there's warriors and things like that moon thrones and gods and things but yeah, it doesn't really, people don't really sure. go on too much about the actual setting, like some books that we've read, like, you know, uh, Poppy War, for example, or Jade City, or or, or The Age of Madness, Final where Strife. setting, Final Strife, where yeah. the setting is such a crucial part. Um, I just think it's set up, like, I hate to invoke uh, Avatar The Last Airbender again, or even, honestly, Avatar, the, the movies, because they both kind of... We're look not like, talking... They're oh, very blue. I was going to say, we're not talking Cameron. <laughs> Maybe both. we are talking both Cameron and The Last Airbender so, here. Like, All avatars have been blue, yeah. invoked. <laughs> so I'm invoking both there. Blue? It's just everything like blue mm-hmm. is Avatar now. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. This is literally the third episode in a row, I think, that you have discussed avatars mm-hmm. like either last airbender or the cameron movie so that's that's just a tidbit for the listeners mm-hmm. but i yeah i find that interesting because it seems like it's such a big thing in these modern fantasy books that people get focused on what inspired this culture what inspired this world and this mm-hmm. idea of it's it's immersive uh you start wondering like immersive into what kind of world but it seems it doesn't evoke just looking at the cover and what people are saying it doesn't evoke that typical medieval like castles and feudal system like that kind of stuff even if it does have royal families it does uh, have a whole other like look and feel at least from 
what I'm seeing on the cover and what you're describing. So sounds like that part is pretty fresh, even if it's, uh, uh, you know, it's harder to point to the inspiration. Um, how, how long is the book, Charles? It looks pretty big. Um, this book looks big, but the pages are actually quite, um, don't have a lot of print. It's 522 pages, but it's got lots of big spaces and wide margins and things. So I don't really know for sure, but I think of all the books I've pitched, I'm going to pitch today. I think it's the longest, but I don't know. I'd have to look it up. But it's even then, it's not that long. Certainly shorter than Oathbringer, which we're reading right now. It's Doorstopper. Yeah. Chihuahua killer, yes. as we like to say. This It doesn't look like you have to be worried about keeping this book near your pets. It's not quite Oathbringer levels, but it's it sounds like it's, you know, it's got some length to it. I think it's... Uh, it's Something that you said that I guess I want to follow up on a little bit is you said a second book that Jimenez has written in fantasy. Mm-hmm. What, what, what was the deal with the first book? The, is it a standalone? Do you know the anything Vanished about it? Birds? I know nothing about it. It's not related to this story, um, but okay. all over this, like when I Google the author Simon Jimenez and and like even in this, it's like the author of the vanished birds like it's it's everywhere so um that could be another one we could read someday but i don't know i didn't research it but um it is a fantasy book as well um so there you go and those are the two books he's written so relatively younger author hmm is this did you mention this already is it a standalone or the first in a series i believe like it doesn't say i believe it's a standalone it doesn't okay. seem to be. It doesn't say like part of a series. It just says a novel. So, um, hmm. usually there's these new books often do the standalone with sequel potential. Exactly, exactly. So we'll that see. That could be the case here, but out. it is presented as its own as its own story. So I don't know what hmm. we'll really get. You but. know, I love me a standalone, a story that can tell the whole thing in the space exactly of i think all the books so i'm pitching today are standalones too which is really yeah which is exciting hmm. um so well yeah that's very interesting charles yeah i'm i'm excited by this idea of revisiting it sounds like that epic quest style fantasy to mm-hmm. some extent it seems like it's got a lot of that travel uh, across the lands and I think that always harkens back to these Lord of the Rings style uh, stories. And I think, meanwhile, it's exploring these really modern themes like identity in a way that it sounds like is, as, as you've said, cutting edge. So it's it's definitely piqued my interest, Charles. Um, right. I'm excited about it. Although the it's, idea. it's an adventure story, there's also every reviewer is like the storytelling is so unique and creative and and different. So I think it's going to be like we're not going to get the typical like like ho hum story of a humble uh, sheep herder going off and fighting the dark one. But I think we are going they to get call him a shepherd. <laughs> you're gonna get um and there's this reviewer here um 
on Goodreads that goes by Ash, who goes, uh, The storytelling was amplified, the emotions heightened by various sensory experiences, and yet again, Jimenez shows us his writing and storytelling skills. Um, and then they go on to say this, like, so these, like, sensory experiences, these emotional connections, this oral storytelling is something that keeps popping up. Mm. And I think it'll be a standout read for us. I don't think we're going to have read anything quite like it. The closest things, I would say, are The Fifth Season by N.K. Jemisin and The Final Strife by Sara Elarifi. Those are the vibes that I'm getting, just in terms of, mm. like storytelling like Sara's Elarifi uses a lot of spoken word to tell moments of their story and you know N.K. Jemisin experiments with different point of view and I think this book does both of those things like the rhythmic storytelling the sensory mm. storytelling and also the experimentation with point of view uh, so that that's what I think makes it worth consideration definitely worth consideration people like the second person um, it's, it's a so mixed bag. It's a person. mixed bag. And I think that's why the series hasn't taken off like some of its contemporaries that came out in 2022 that have exploded. Hmm. And I just think it's a book that's hard to recommend. I think people like a lot of people are having a hard time like determining who to recommend this to. Uh, and I think the experimental narration is very rewarding, but for some people looking for a more casual reading experience, it might be asking a bit much uh, for them. But I think for us, you know, we're always looking for something different and interesting, and we've read a bunch of fantasy books that I think we'd be we'd be the ideal fit for a story like this. But that's just mm-hmm. like keeping it off, maybe like the the airport bookshelves you know that's kind of like the one i'm like could it could it could it be a quick grab on an airport bookshelf you might be asking a lot uh for this one but i don't know i haven't read it and um, i i think it's something that is definitely worth uh considering mm, i will definitely consider it charles and I'm in the same camp as you where I've seen it a bunch of times on social media, but it's great to hear what it's actually about because I feel like that's the part that's <laughs> right. been missing. So right. I'm I'm excited by the idea of this one. And I think unless there's more for you to say before we move on to the next one, uh, I think the next pitch is in order. Yes. So, I'll just read the last paragraph of the review and then that'll be close it out. Both a sweeping adventure story and an intimate exploration of identity, legacy, and belonging, the spear cuts through water is an ambitious and profound saga that will transport and transform you mm. and is like nothing you've ever read before. I mean, that's written on the sleeve of the book, so take that for what you will, but um, I think it's a great way to kind of <laughs> someone summarize it. it. Someone said Does it, it say who that's No, it's literally from? part of the book description. Like the publisher wrote that about the book. So oh. it's not well, like that's like me being like Friends Talking Fantasy is an incredible podcast with Yeah, it's like lightning if, fast in our bio, it's like two friends that both love of the to hosts, talk fantasy yeah. and it's the most profound podcast you'll ever hear. There's nothing yeah. like it. You know, it's, it's the same vibes. But at least <laughs> but it's yeah. on par Both with the reviews. Both extremely though. handsome with great <laughs> senses of humor. And... <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But um, the next book on my list also has a bit of a water theme and a gorgeous cover that I don't have in front of me. But uh, also lots of blues in it is... 
The House in the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Clune. I'm assuming mm. it's pronounced Clune. I don't know for sure. But uh, this one is by far the most reviewed. Uh, you know, I said that uh, The Spear Cuts Through Water has just under a thousand reviews. Well, House on the Cerulean Sea has 402,000 uh, ratings on Goodreads. Yeah. So a whole nother... A mere 402,000. It was the Goodreads Choice Award in 2020, and it was a nominee for Best Fantasy Novel. New York Times bestseller. It's like a Barnes & Noble darling I've seen. I feel like every time I walk into Barnes & Noble, they're really pushing this book and the other book by this author, which is escaping me, but I there was a time where that was like by the register and on the front door of like every Barnes and Noble I walked into. So props to TJ Clune for kind of breaking through. And I think you can see why. There's a lot of interesting themes kind of picked at and explored in this. Um, the genres, according to Goodreads, are fantasy, fiction, LGBT, romance, young adult. Um, and that all is kind of personified in T.J. Klune. Um, he's very much a fantasy writer, but he's also very funny. That's the thing that I think kind of shines through in this book. You know, I said one of these books I'd read a little bit, and it was this one. This one's been on my radar for a long time. And I, and I think we're both in the same boat, Dylan. You know, we've been reading a lot of Stormlight Archive, and that's thousands and thousands of pages of epic classic swords and sorcery style fantasy obviously in sanderson's trailblazing ways but it is very much your typical kind of fantasy story and we've read a lot of um more traditional fantasy works and and i feel like to me when i was looking at the house in the cerulean sea and i looked at that cover and it's a house on a cliff overlooking the water very tranquil looking very colorful very playful looking i was like you know what this could be the breath of fresh air that i'm looking for not only in like the narration which is very like light-hearted and comedy forward there's like a joke a minute here and not necessarily like punchlines, but even just in the narration like we we praise abercrombie a lot on not holding back on making fun of his characters through narration like oh Giselle was dimly aware of this it's like he, like tj clune does the same thing um i'd say punched up even more um and then you have the concept as well it takes place in a lot more modern era like you've got um the main character who's a caseworker in the department in charge of magical youth. And he's kind of looking at the well-being of um, children with magical powers who are almost in like foster care or in, or, you know, in other detention, like government sanctioned orphanages, I believe is the term. Um, so it's, it's in that case, a very unique story for us. And that's kind of what grabbed me. It's like, you know, I could use a lighter read, something more focused on humor, something that's not part one of a, you know, 10,000 page saga, or, you know, that's going to have people killing each other with swords and stuff. Like I, I want that kind of change of pace and house in the Cerulean sea promises that um, I'll just read a quick blurb about the 
about the background here. A magical island, a dangerous task, a burning secret. Linus Baker leads a quiet, solitary life. At 40, he lives in a tiny house with a devious cat and his old records. As a caseworker at the department in charge of magical youth, he spends his days overseeing the well-being of children in government-sanctioned orphanages. With When Linus is unexpectedly summoned by extremely upper management, all caps, uh, he's given a curious and highly classified assignment. Travel to the Marsyas Island Orphanage, where six dangerous children reside, and then it goes into all the children. Um, Linus must set aside his fears and determine whether or not they're likely to bring about the end of days. So we've got our unlikely hero, this kind of overweight, middle-aged, solitary man, as he navigates both bureaucracy and, like, the taking care of these children who could potentially, you know, they're children, so there's innocence that comes with that, but they have these world-threatening powers, and I don't really know where it goes from there. Again, I was, it was funny, I was on vacation with my family in California, and we were at a bookstore in San Diego, and I talked my mom into buying this book for her, I'm like, read it and tell me how it is, and if it's good, then I'll read it, because I was very curious about it, but I was committed to other reading other stuff at the time. And then while we were on vacation, it was just sitting there um, in our hotel. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to sneak a peek. <laughs> and I read the first, you know, maybe 10% of this book. And I was enjoying it quite a bit. It was fun. It was a light read. It was entertaining. It was different. It was satirical. Um, and I really want to finish it and and see where it goes. You know, all the reviews are very positive Uh tons and tons of them obviously and it's you know put tj clune in the limelight it's such a popular read i think you know the only new york times bestseller i have here i don't think the next book i'm going to talk about is a new york times bestseller but um yeah super popular release and i think it's just kind of a different offering compared to what we've read and discussed on the show so far i think it'll be a nice change of pace both for us and for our listeners. And I think you'll appreciate the humor. I think you'll appreciate the um, unique character work and the unique characters that TJ Klune is able to to create. And I think there's a lot of in the satirical side and like in the thematic side that we could get into a surprising amount of, of depth in. Although this book presents itself as, as pretty lighthearted and there's a joke a minute, I still think there's an opportunity to have some really good conversation around what this book is about and and some of the themes that are worth diving into. So I think there's a very valuable conversation that we could be had there that I'm super looking forward to having if you pick this book that is The House in the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Klune. Mar- marvelous pitch there, Charles. Um you. I'm really interested in this one. It's, again, like you said, it is all over the place when you go into bookstores. Everyone seems to love it. And it sounds like it's Charles's mom approved, which I don't think she's read it yet. I don't know. Love to hear. Oh, oh, she didn't read it? Maybe she did. Lent it to her, Charles, and she's just letting it sit there. (laughs) Well, she bought it. It's hers. I I talked her into buying it, and then I. Crack the cover. Gotcha. You get it. Yeah. Maybe she read it. I should have asked her. (laughs) Definitely should have asked her to prepare for the pitch because we all know that Charles's mom 
is a master of book recommendation based on the episode where it was book recommendations from Charles's mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so check out that episode. But all right, Charles. So this book, you said a joke a minute. In your experience, did that ever get annoying? Because sometimes I find, uh, you know, there's some like comedy books that we've read that will remain nameless that sometimes it just feels trying too hard and all that. You you like the sense of humor even at that rate? I would say I definitely was feeling it, uh, but it's not, it doesn't overstay its welcome, at least in the the bit I've read and then what, from what I hear in people's reviews, um, it's not a, if it was like a Chihuahua killer size story of Sanderson style of and then there's a, a million books, then maybe it would get old. But this is a, I think this is a pretty light read. Um, people describe it as wholesome and people describe it as fun. And I think it's all part of that kind of quirky vibe that it encapsulates. So I think if you know it going in and you love it for what it is, I don't think it overstays its its welcome, and and certainly I don't see any criticisms of the humor. In fact, I think um, most people, I, I don't even see much criticism for the story, and like it's really people saying, "Oh, this book is so cute, it's so wholesome." Some people said it made me cry. Like th- th- those are all the praise it's getting. So I, I think it's able to, and maybe it's just at the beginning. It it might even be like more jokey than it gets towards the end. But um, I think it's all part of the story that it's, it's, it's trying to, to get you through. And this combination of dealing with like hopeless magical orphans and like a cubicle worker, like pencil pusher guy at the center of this story with, with jokes and also mature themes. So who knows? I think it's worth the risk. I mean, 400,000 people can't be wrong. Uh, and I think because we've read, we haven't read anything like, like very rarely have we read like a a book as wholesome and comedy forward as this for the show that I think it will be a nice breath of fresh air for us and kind of break up the pace of, of things that we're reading along the way. You know, because as much as we love to do things like uh, fifth season and Abercrombie and Sanderson. It's like those books can get kind of depressing for a while. Like they, they keep you down for a long mm-hmm. time for the drama. Uh, but this is going to be a totally different experience. And I think we should kind of welcome that. Uh, should we choose to read this story? Hmm. I always welcome a breath of fresh air mm-hmm. in my reading, Charles. And it sounds like, it manages while being optimistic like that to still approach a lot of these big themes. Mm. Uh, That's exciting. Did you see that already starting to show up when you were about 10% in? No, it was really just kind of showing the main character and how like, you know, he's kind of stuck in the cog of like the corporate hierarchy. And you, you saw that joke already of, upper extreme upper management and like the bureaucracy and then you know his life is very solitary and uh you know 
seemingly insignificant and like he has is he comes home to his cat and plays his record but his neighbor makes fun of him and then he goes to work and his boss makes fun of him you know it's like that was where I, I was starting from so I didn't get any deeper into it than that but um it was kind of setting up this character and, and, and making jokes about their their kind of like very mediocre existence which i think is going to change quite a bit as the story goes on <laughs> it's my just a feeling but you never know sounds like it um i was interested to hear this idea that it sounds like the stakes are a lot higher than i thought they would be in this book <laughs> right. right it was like oh they're trying to avoid the end of times or something i was like oh wow this, I always thought of this as more slice of life and not having those level of stakes. Yeah, so well, I guess like in this world, like to... imagine if like the X-Men kind of thing existed, which I don't know if this is how the world is set up. I didn't get the full picture, but I kind of was like, okay, it's like X-Men where some people are born with powers and some aren't. But then what if, what if like a five-year-old is born with the power to create like atomic bomb blasts and say you and then but they have no parents and they're in an orphanage it's like now the government has to take care of them and you can imagine like the ineffectual slow bureaucracy facing something as crucial as raising a child with these kind of um uncontrollable powers and how that those two things might clash in a humorous way but also in like a yeah. thought-provoking way too about the the system in which we care for people like that so i don't know it, it seems to be an interesting premise and the idea that you can have like orphans that have these like potentially high implicating superpowers <laughs> it's like like they're kind of falling through the cracks of the system but also you can't ignore them because they can do incredible things uh, with their magical abilities so it is an interesting premise sounds like one i've heard described as a hug in book form which is so nice you say <laughs> i see really wholesome a lot i see like omg yeah. so cute i'm dying like you know I, I see that kind of stuff all throughout the goodreads page and um that kind of piques my interest and you get that from the cover too it just seems very colorful and fun and, and um yeah that's just that's what pulled me towards it because like the spear cuts through water I think it's going to be really great, but I don't think it's going to be as wholesome and fun as how some of the Cerulean Sea is going to be. So that's kind of like a differentiator right there, even though they're both very water uh, focused. Um, I think it's going to be like the difference between reading the fifth season or like a lighthearted comedy, you know, so it's like there's going to be a difference there, but both have their strengths. Hmm. Well, Charles, that's a great sell for this one, and I I will have to thoroughly consider both of the books you've presented so far. But wait. But. There's more. There is one more that I'm sure I'll have <laughs> so, to although, provide deep consideration Oh, for. you will, because although The House in the Cerulean Sea is by far the most um, popular in terms of people that have read it and reviewed it by a long shot, there... He, is a book, my third book here, that kind of hit the nerve of our show and the people that we interact with on social media. And as a result, I think we have seen this book appear and have recommended to us 
more than either of the other two, even though it is not this New York Times best-selling, like, you know, huge release, 400,000 reviews. It does have 12,000 ratings, so it kind of is closer to the spirit cuts through water than the house in the cerulean sea but it is nothing to shy away at i have of course referring to the black tongue thief by christopher ballman i'm gonna say i'm gonna attempt to pronounce that apologies if i got it wrong looks like buellman buellman yeah that could be right i like that uh, so this one dylan i think is right up our alley in like what we read traditionally um in terms of like focus on character work and you got a bunch of rogues and i'll get into the story in a bit but before i do i i just want to point out that we have been recommended this book a bunch of times it was first published in march 2021 so it's um still relatively new uh let's see when was the house in the cerulean sea published i'm gonna pull that up right now uh, march 2020 so it's the second oldest it came out a year later but when we used to do like recommendation series and it would always make its way onto the list. Like our friends on social media are constantly telling us to read it. And then you scroll through the Goodreads page and it's all the usual suspects of people that we talk to and that are in our uh, circle of, of friends and peers on, uh, on, on the bookish community they're all here praising it then you have big authors too of the three books this is the only one where i saw like actual like big name authors leaving their reviews and their endorsements of the, the, the two that come to the top of the list are robin hobb and nicholas eames two very nice mm-hmm. names to have at the top of your goodreads page leaving you five stars so that's just something to consider right there a little bit about the black tongue thief and what it is about so you have a character, Kinch, K-I-N-C-H, owes the Taker's Guild a small fortune for his education as a thief, which includes, but it's not limited to, lockpicking, knife fighting, wall scaling, blah, 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 plus a few small magics. His debt has driven him to lie in wait by the old forest road, planning to rob the next traveler that crosses his path. But today, Kinch has picked the wrong mark. Galva is a knight, a survivor of the brutal goblin wars, and handmaiden of the goddess of death. She is searching for her queen, missing since a distant northern city fell to giants. Unsuccessful in his robbery and lucky to escape with his life, Kinch now finds his fate entangled with Galva's. Common enemies and uncommon dangers force thief and knight on an epic journey where goblins hunger for human flesh, krakens hunt in dark waters, and honor is a luxury you can afford so right off the bat we're getting hit with a lot of elements that we traditionally grab onto enthusiastically you've got thieves rogues adventures monsters like unlikely alliances a little bit of humor um a a strong duo it seems like unlikely duo and then when you combine that with the glowing endorsement of all of our peers it's hard to ignore and what interests me most about this book is that a lot of people compare it to authors that we grab onto including nicholas eames and joe abercrombie himself so the fact that we're getting all these big names everyone's recommended it to us it hits all of our checklists and what we traditionally love and look for in fantasy it's hard to ignore and i think we gotta get into it what's interesting about the author Christopher Buhlman is like you look up his Wikipedia page and it's like 
the man's done everything. He's a comedian, a novelist, a playwright, a poet. Um, I think in terms of his writing career, he started off in horror, and now he's like started a very strong, prominent <laughs> fantasy debut with this novel. And so I think we're going to get a really strong perspective. I love kind of that horror influence. I hope it creeps its way in here. And with flesh-eating goblins in the description, I feel like it's going to. And uh, I feel like you're going to get that rogue-like thief character. I think you're going to get, you know, where it says honor is a luxury if you can afford. I think we're going to get into that characterization that I know you always uh, are intrigued by with other books that we've read. Um, you know, like Among Thieves vibes a little bit there. Um it, it's 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 uh, shout, out it's, shout out i think it's um to me it's just one i think we have to read at some point it's been recommended to us so much we can't not read it uh and if you're looking for kind of a return to form for stuff that we love and want to continue reading it's like this is such a great place to start and I've even seen, like, Mark Lawrence had started reading it a few weeks ago, and his comment was like, I'm finally getting into this to see what all the, like, commotion's about. And it was the Black Tongue Thief. So it's like, I think a lot of people in the community are are kind of picking up on this. And it's already been a couple years. But, um, I mean, this is one I don't see how we can skip over it. I, I think we have to get on this one and, and see what it's about and... How many of our friends and peers have to read it and recommend it before we get into it as well? And it's got rogues and thieves, Dylan. That's your that's your like niche right there. Now, come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is the number one reason that I gravitate to it. Of course, it sounds. I, I love this idea of the the odd couple, right? The foils for each other who get forced together as well. It. It sounds a little bit like uh, Royce and Hadrian uh, of the Raira Revelations mix, where Royce was that more thief-roguish character, and Hadrian was more of that noble knight character. And that's one of my favorite mm-hmm. duos, uh, Hard Stop in fantasy. Do you see those kind of, I guess if not explicit comparisons to those two, do you see people saying, like, this is a great duo as well? Um, Most people that I see, like, in my research are praising the author's voice more than anything else. Mm. Um, Like Robin Hobbs said, the narrator has a tongue-in-cheek style that does not diminish the validity of the story. And uh, then you have Nicholas Eames saying... uh, Holy hell, this was awesome, so funny, so harrowing, so endlessly inventive. Almost every page made me laugh or wonder at some phenomenally clever turn of phrase. Cannot wait to see where the story goes from here. Um, Characterizations mentioned somewhat, but it's not like, it's not like, you know, Royce and Adrian or... um, uh, or anything like Lock and John. Lock and John, thank you. That's who I was struggling to, to remember. Um, yeah, so not at those levels. I don't think people recommend this as a duo story, but maybe it is. I mean, it's it's grim dark. It certainly seems to be set up that way, but it seems like these two are an unlikely pairing. It's not like Royce and Adrian where they're, they're BFFs. I, I think they're uh, kind of forced to hang out together. Uh, I mean, we'll see the situation. I don't really know, but... Um, yeah, just like I, I think most people cr- um, 
praise it for being like a modern grimdark novel with like a humor that that just kind of and wit that kind of clicks with the genre that we are so desperately always looking for that like i think abercrombie is kind of our gold standard for that and it's a hard mark to hit sometimes without being either too edgy or too humorous and it sounds like everyone's praising him for that more than anything else Mm. I love this idea of a really eclectic author, all those background, uh, all those facets of his background almost uh, sounds like our friend Christian Cameron. Yeah, it does. So writes under Miles Cameron, this like jack of all trades. Mm. And we know we love uh, Christian's books. So that's, that's exciting to think about. Did you, you mentioned the horror background that he has Mm -hmm. did you see that popping up in any of the reviews or things people are saying about it or or not really the that there i would love to see horror elements in this book as well given his background um but is anyone talking about that um it's i mean people say that there's a lot of kind of this world building going on and they mention all the creatures and they say things that there's memorable characters creatures moments cultures um but i think more people go down the humor route than the horror route so i think it is going to be a bit of a departure um but i'd be curious to read it for myself and see like if there's any horror elements that were pulled and how they were kind of incorporated into this i mean we're talking about flesh-eating goblins and krakens and all these other kind of thief robbery moments that are right for a little touch of horror but i definitely think this is a different avenue in terms of like grim dark fantasy adventure that's got like this witty um humorous voice behind it i think that's kind of the focus and horror is a backseat like no one's really talking about it that i've seen Right. Well, that's I already bought a copy of this book a while back because <laughs> when it first came out, it was one of the one of the books I just whenever I see thief or rogue um, already gravitating toward it. Yeah. And then I was hearing such amazing things. So this one, it, it has that extra bonus of being a book that I already own. So that <laughs> helps. And on top of it, yeah, my favorite character archetype is is the rogue and thief i know a lot of our listeners associate me with those kind of books all right liza lacamora among thieves and i yeah i i love the idea of injecting it with some comedy as well so charles this is gonna be a really tough decision (laughs) for me between these three books you did not make it easy on me i'll say a lot of times coming into fpf like when I know which three books you're going to be pitching, I'm like, already, I'm like, okay, this one's a favorite. He's going to have to really deliver a strong pitch on one of the other two for me to really seriously consider them. This time, Charles, I don't know. (laughs) I'm (laughs) kind of stumped. I'm kind of glad we switched up the format right now. (laughs) So I'm not putting him on the spot. Okay, let's take a little time. Let's get a little <laughs> feedback, and then we'll announce it later on. Because, jeez, ah, Charles, I, I'm stumped, and you you delivered great pitches for all three of them. Right, 
And to I don't recap, know, folks, that I don't know. Sphere, I'm going to have to really think this one over. You really are. And you have three tough choices here. And, and, and that's like the inspiration for me to pick these was like, these are all books that I really want to read that I haven't read yet that I would hungrily pick up next. I don't even know which one I would pick up next. It's like a hard choice. So I'm really excited to have made this kind of combination. And it's The Spear Cuts Through Water by Simon Jimenez. The House in the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Clune, and The Black Tongue Thief by Christopher uh, Buellman. So that's going to be a tough call. You know, maybe we can, maybe what will help your decision, Dylan, is we share these choices with our friends over on social media, get them to weigh in. Maybe someone can help you decide one way or the other. I think the good news is there's going to be no wrong answer here. And um, I'm curious to also give it some time to see what other people think about these choices. I think this is a pretty cutting edge, creative little mix here that's got a little something for everybody. So I'm proud of it. I am so eager to see what you're going to pick. I'm so eager to see, like, maybe we should do like a little poll. Like, what do you think Dylan will pick just to get a kind of vibe check? But then if you don't pick the most popular one, I don't know. But I don't want to sway you that way. But um, I'd be curious to see. I don't know how we're going to do it. I'll leave that up to you as our social media guru. But uh, so many exciting ideas here to, 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 to sit on and consider. Thank you, Charles. I, I'm i definitely going to need your help, listener. <laughs> I <laughs> Don't leave me out here on my own because, I, I don't know, I'm absolutely uh, flummoxed <laughs> by this decision here i've been sitting with these books uh, i made this list a week ago and i still don't know which i'd pick first so you got some hard work right you kind of just picked three books atop your tbr and then outsourced your choice (laughs) because it's a difficult choice to me that's what's great about that's one of the benefits of fbf is it's so hard right it's always hard to pick when you're so excited about several books to pick which one. And, and I know I do have three all, correct. Right. Yeah. This is the first case. Where three, three correct three choices books. here. Oh, yeah, you have three correct choices. And I also, I hope I did them justice yeah. pitching. It's hard to pitch three books that you have not read. So I'm going purely off of it reviews is. and marketing and my own intuition. Uh, but it's kind of fun because it's how I would pick a book to read normally anyway so it's like here's kind of the shout lines here's the response here's the the vibes i'm picking up where do you go from there so yeah i'm curious to see where you'll go you know i pick some more to your taste and more as like a palate cleanser so we'll, we'll see which direction you're, you're gonna go in but um yeah and i guess you'll have to see us over on social media i think for now we need to stop and then we need to see what what your pitches are gonna be i think we've kind of sat with these books long enough you're gonna you have all the information you're gonna get except for audience reaction uh over the next couple of days so um, i i think dylan there's nothing left but to play that sweet sweet outro music i think it is time to play that sweet sweet outro wait before we do it should we just uh, not with the music going tell people where sure. they can sure. find us on social we're media we're gonna repeat it anyway once the music because uh, it's a little time, but... yeah we'll repeat it because we do our whole shtick but uh, you can find us on twitter at the ftf podcast one and you can find us on instagram at the ftf podcast 
So those are really the two best places to reach out. I'm sure I'll be posting some tweet and or tweets uh, just trying to get some help from you. And you don't have to wait for that. You can at us as the kids are maybe (laughs) saying on social media and uh, just let me know. I, I really need it this time. <laughs> so well, I'm no so further curious ado, to see let's myself. Get, oh, I I literally like this is not me playing up to like oh what are you gonna be? It's like I literally do not know. Like so, this will be a key um, influence in your decision making. <laughs> oh, very key. Yeah. So please help. Uh, but with no further ado, I think it is time. For a little bit of sweet, sweet outro music, Charles. All right, let's get that sweet, sweet outro music pumping. Thank you all so much for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. If you like what you heard today and you want to support the show, the best place to do that is over on social media. That's at the FTF Podcast on Instagram and the FTF Podcast with a number one at the end on Twitter. Now, Dylan, if they like what they heard and they want to support the show even more than uh, following us on social media and engaging with us over there uh, what can they do toss five stars to our podcast you can now do that over on spotify that's where most of you are listening and it's just two clicks to make that happen on top of the friends talking fantasy podcast page and it does absolute wonders for a little indie podcast here that we do for the love of the game love of the game and you can always do a rating and or review on apple podcasts as well but just listening is more than enough thank you so much for doing that absolutely doing just listening is already more than enough thank you so so much for for listening to us today and uh, as always guys go forth and conquer friends